0: And welcome to Geek Rant, episode 235. Seth really wants some news. <laughs> Recorded May 1st, 2016, and brought to you by Element OP Productions. ElementOP.com. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, of the only show on the internet where Geeks rant. I'm your host, Mark the Sultan of the Soapbox Cockerel. And joining us this week is your friend and mine, Seth the Gooey Kid Anderson. Hey Seth, how's it going? Pretty good, Mark. How are you doing this fine day? you know, I am doing well. I've got to enjoy some uh, some good family time this weekend. When That's why Chris is not with us because he is, in fact, doing family time. This kind of time of year, there's all sorts of dance recitals and plays. In fact, I just rushed back from a church play uh, tonight to be here. Chris is at a dance recital that went a little long. Uh, one of my friends at church spent like six hours today at a dance thing for his daughter and then came and his, the same daughter was in the play that, that my church was doing. Tomorrow, I'm taking the day off for a thing at my at school, so it's just that kind, kind of time of year where, if you're a parent of uh, really ninth grade and below, less so in high school, um, everything is going on all at once. I
1: I have nothing to say. I have, <laughs> I have <laughs> yet again, you bring up a topic I have yes, nothing well, to
0: contribute to, but I'm sure you've seen it around. You you oh, you, you yeah. know parents.
1: Yeah,
0: yeah. It's just uh, it's a good thing. Uh, but people just try to cram everything into December and May. Um, and that's just the way it is. Uh, and here we are, it is officially May. Uh, I just wanted to say, I mentioned last week on the show that I had ordered my first, um, entry level pro grade and pro is not the right word. Cause as far as I know, there's not a pro quad quadcopter circuit. Maybe there is, um, quadcopter. So this one, it's the first one that's not a toy. It's a real one, um, uh, with, you know, uh, with real motors and 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 it's made out of of fiberglass and graphite and um so I am now uh a very well versed in the art of repairing a quadcopter uh, apparently not flying at all because <laughs> uh, so far I I bought three batteries that should give me between twelve and eighteen minutes of life on each battery and I've only managed to run one dead one time and that was not in a single flight. Uh, I just I fly it, I crash it, I repair it. I fly it, I crash it, I repair it. I fly it, I crash it, I repair it. I thought I had developed some skills. I thought starting on this trainer trainer toy level drones would would give me some skills that would would uh, apply to the the more um advanced one. But no, it's it's like if you you, if you can ride a lawnmower and you think you can handle a Mustang, it's just it's that kind of thing. It's so much more power, so much more uh complicated. It's it's heavier. It's just I I am now rank idiot once again i had moved up to novice and now i'm back to imbecile
1: well you know i mean there's a couple of things there one we need repairmen we you know not everybody gets to be a pilot somebody has to fix the machines to keep them in the air and number two you're just, you're adding to the skill set you had. That's true. You know, so before you can learn to steer, you first need to learn to go in a straight line. You can't run. You first have to learn to fall and not kill yourself. Then you can walk, which is perpetual falling. And then you get to where you can run and then you can do zigzags and stuff. So, you know, you're, I guess you're on the falling and not hurting yourself is.
0: Yeah. Learning to, learning to take a fall. The good thing is these things are designed to be modular and easy to repair because they're they crash that's what they do you know and i'm buying spare parts and replacing them i've gone through see my my toy grade ones had uh propeller protectors on them this one doesn't uh and i didn't think that was a big deal because i had gotten to the point where i wasn't crashing very often so i didn't invest in those and now i've gone through like six sets of propellers um because <laughs> wow. when they crash what hits right the extended arms the first thing that hits are the propellers uh fortunately right. they're you know a buck and a half each it's not a big deal um but I snapped one of the arms off. I, I found that a wire tie will uh, hold that back together really nicely. It's a, it's a zip tie uh, machine right now. I've, I've broken some of the standoffs. Same standoffs that if you've ever mounted a motherboard on a PC, same thing, only a little bigger, um, uh, hold some of the electronics on. But they're nylon. I've snapped some of those off. Fortunately, being a geek, I had spares. Um, and uh, between duct tape and, uh, and zip ties, I managed to keep it flying until I ran all out of, of propellers, and I have some more on the way. All
1: you need to do now is get a little bailing wire on it and you'll, you'll bit the redneck yeah. trifecta. That, that's a
0: little heavy. Uh, but yeah, I might need to go there. Um, it's just, I flew it into a park bench. I mean, into, smack into a, a park bench, just ka at about 30 miles an hour. Um, just, I, I'm such a moron, uh, at, at this thing. It's just, it's a, it's a whole different skill set. Um, so it, anyway, that, as I've mentioned before, I, I haven't bought the kind of drones where the computer does all the work. Like if you get a, a DJI Phantom uh, that you mount a camera under, that thing is designed to do all the flying for you. You're a cameraman, not a drone pilot. Right. So that's what those are for. You push a button. It goes where you want it to do. You pre-program program, program the GPS and it just does it. And you can focus on being a cameraman. And so anybody out there who's got one of those and saying, what are you whining about? That's, that's not what I've got. And that's not what I want. I've, I've, I've got much, uh, dumber, much more performance oriented, uh, uh, device. And so it's, I'm trying to learn to fly a washing machine, um, in the air. And, and I, I watch some of these things. There's a guy who, uh, who's, uh, um, active in the Podnuts community, uh, named Liam, uh, Tidwell. You can look him up on YouTube and he flies with the FPV, uh, first person view goggles, um, and he he's got videos on YouTube of he's like at the the playground at his high school zipping through the chains on the swing sets and and looping around and flying through the 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 trees in a in a wooded area and and going un, under and around and and on the same size quad same type of thing that I'm doing and I'm like don't crash don't crash don't crash don't crash all right I hovered for about five seconds now one more time up up don't crash don't crash crash ah so there is there is a way to go i know it can be done i'm just not there yet well but you know you're you're
1: endeavoring to improve your piloting skills so that's worth something yeah, yeah. however much found propellers
0: a, cost i found a great hole to throw money down so that's yeah great. and if you're tired of listening to me talk about it imagine being my family they're freaking sick of hearing about quads so you're just getting a taste of what they get
1: so when you're living in a van down by the river, because all of your money went for propellers and standoffs,
0: everyone will know why. Yeah the the I've had to I bought a whole new body kit just because I'm staffing off parts. I need to be able to just replace them out, just sub those out, um, and the whole kit is. Th- 28 i think dollars so it's none of this is big expenses but it's lots of little expenses and yeah i'm sure if i sat down that's why i'm not going to do it i'm sure if i sat down and added it all up i could have bought like a a sikorsky helicopter a real one by now
1: you could could pay for the pilot to fly you around
0: (laughs) yes i could have a personal chauffeur for what i've spent on toys Uh, so that's what's going on in my life seth what's going on in your life
1: well, I've decided to kind of dip my toe back into the gainfully employed community Whoa, Been easy some, there, big fella <laughs> Di you know part time couple of nights um which doing like you know this isn't hard back breaking manual labor, but it's on your feet the whole time and so you know like twelve hours walking around, swapping out computers uh crawling around inside spaces that they weren't designed for. they designed a space and then threw a computer in it, so that's fun but um. We're swapping out p o s systems and yes p o s does stand for more than one thing um at walmart's and uh it's it's kind of I made the mistake the first night I did it, I ran first, like you know i I woke up about noon because I was like i'm gonna be up all night, so i'm gonna I stayed up late the night before, so I got up late, I ran and then i went and stood on my feet for 12 hours. i was so so tired and the next day i could barely move. uh so i need to get back to a desk job i think. that's uh that's where i want to be in life. i don't want to be actual physical labor.
0: Yeah, and for those of you excoriating Seth right now for having said Walmart's. He's not the redneck saying down at the Walmart's they got pork rinds 2 for $3. He means poral, multiple Walmart stores. Walmart's yes. poral. Different ones. <laughs> Yes. because that's around here it's it's down at the walmart's uh everything everything in the south has an s on it whatever it is it's an apostrophe s usually um you know uh yep if it doesn't already end in an s we go ahead and put one on it just for fun yeah and we, well
1: you know just because we're from
0: the south and the south right. starts with S, and we <laughs> want everybody to know that you know you go down to the targets um what why why are you going down to the? it's like it's like smith's uh, hardware or Johnson's, uh, dry good. We just, we, in the South, we picked up that ownership and we, we throw that possessive S on everything. Ah, uh, simpler times. <laughs> so, uh, that's all we have there. We don't have any feedback from the audience. Uh, you guys apparently have just no longer care about us. Um, that's okay. I don't blame you. Um, nobody's told me to shut up about the quads yet though. Uh, So we don't have any of that to go through. So let's jump straight into a bit of news. The Humble Bundle without games. Now that's not totally unusual, but uh, it's certainly, we don't talk much about Humble Bundles that don't involve games.
1: It's the first one I've ran across. And, you know, I don't, since I'm not in Steam, I don't really spend a lot of time at the humble bundle, but when it comes up on my news radar. So they have the humble book bundle hacking. Uh, and so you get things like the Linux command line, how to hack the Xbox Bitcoin for the befuddled. I think that's a really good title for a book. Um, black hat Python and all this. You can get everything for $15. It's really, if you, if you want to learn this kind of stuff this is a very good bargain for it you know and of course the humble bundle is an awesome bargain when they do the games so you're getting an awesome uh bargain here and this one the maker's guide to the zombie apocalypse defend your base with simple circuits arduino and raspberry pi so let I me mean, come on what more could you want out of a uh humble book bundle so it's all about hacking and you know and it's And, of course, any person involved in security needs to know what hacking is because you got to know what people are trying to do so you know how to defend against it. So I think it's pretty cool. Uh, Anyway, I just wanted to share that out there. It's good for another nine days, I think. Um, The 10th is the last day of it, May 10th. So you'll have a while after the show drops to get it out, to go get it if you're interested.
0: And to get all these things that Seth has mentioned, uh, currently you need to pay $15. Uh, right. To get all of the books, the the initial bundle, <laughs> somebody has just decided to run water above me. You hear that? It sounds like a a, a, a nest of snakes has crawled yeah, into my microphone. Yeah, it's a lot
1: worse this week than it was yeah, last week. It's
0: really, really loud. Uh, but the reason I tell the it's because I tell them not to, but th- this is apparently not only is somebody taking a bath uh, or running a shower, but it's in the bathroom right above me. So, sorry about that. I'll try to filter it out, but uh, you're going to hear some of it. Anyway, um, DRM-free, multi-format. Uh, you get four books. Just pay what you want. You get a penny, you get four bucks. Automating the boring stuff with Python, Linux the command line, the smart girl's guide to privacy, and hacking the Xbox. If you pay more than the average, which is currently $14.92, You get the zombie apocalypse one and the Bitcoin one and a couple of others. And then you get four more if you pay $15 uh, more. So there you go. That's the way the humble bundle works. The more you pay, the more you get. Yep. It is pay what you want, but the more you pay, the more you get. I like it. Um, I did want to say while we were on the topic of Bitcoins, somebody out there is sending me, point zero zero five bitcoin is that five satoshis is that right um every time we produce a show which i think is great there's they i'm guessing they've got some sort of automated script going there because it happens at 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 a predictable time um so you're probably doing this because you want to remain anonymous but i would really like to give you credit for being so clever, uh, for watching our RSS feed and doing an automated transaction every time a show comes out uh, to the tune of r- r- currently 22 cents worth of Bitcoin. So that's pretty cool. Hats off to you for that.
1: That's cool. Uh, you know, I, the cool thing about Bitcoin, you can do little bits of money like that. And, you know, granted, you we can't live off of 22 cents a week, but it's just, one of those things, Hey, I enjoy the show. Here's a little something. And you know, it's one of the, if, if Bitcoins come to nothing, you're not really out anything, but if they grow, you know, and keep growing, then, Hey, this could turn into real money.
0: Yeah. And I'm wondering, uh, I mean, it looks like he's got it hard coded at zero zero five Bitcoin because the, that amount doesn't change no matter how the things go up and down. But you know, if Bitcoin spikes up, like people are expecting it, that could be a significant amount of money soon. um, In which case, I would expect him to add a zero or so in there. (laughs) But uh, anyway, kind of a cool thing that I wanted to mention since you mentioned Bitcoin. um, So there's Patreon and now there's uh, automated subscriptions via Bitcoin. Kind of cool.
1: That is pretty cool.
0: Uh, So while we're on the uh, topic of encryption and and encrypted currency, the uh, Security Week has an article that says encrypted network traffic comes at a cost. we well, Didn't we all know this?
1: Yeah, and they make a point that by, um, you know, when you encrypt your traffic, okay, yes, you're making it harder for people to eavesdrop on you, but you are adding a significant amount of work to your firewall at the end because it has to decrypt everything to scan it and then re-encrypt it to send it to your network and you know and if you have the latest greatest you know fourteen thousand core vm in the cloud running then it's no problem but if you've got your old pentium 486 trying to you know cache youtube or whatever that could be an issue and it just points out that the um the processing power to encrypt and decrypt and re-encrypt the the, uh, SSL nature that the web is moving to, it's going to run into an overhead. And so, you know, it's one of those things, the more secure something is, the more effort you have to put in to accessing it. Either, you know, you have to enter your password or you have to have a token or you have to click the 17 objects in a specific order, or you have to provide horsepower for the computer to do that for you. So it's just pointing out that, yes, this is making the web more secure, but at the same time, you're introducing bottlenecks that is going to slow down the flow of information. And this is not something that people talk about. You know, a lot of times, um, i remember people were talking about how much faster the internet was going to be whenever it moved to ipv6 but what they weren't telling you is the reason it was going to be four times as fast is you were going to have to upgrade the routers to be 20 times as fast to do the extra encryption that came with the ipv6 so you know yes the machines are getting faster and they're getting smaller and they're getting more efficient so it's not like we're going to go backwards we're just not going to go forward in the uh in the speed the information flows and it was just an interesting thing to talk about because most people don't think about that they just think that you know i have the s and now facebook is slower the internet's down
0: yeah and that's one of the reasons early on that https was uh, so slow to get a start why so many people don't do it and and today there that excuse isn't really an excuse anymore it, you know um it takes too much processing power, just compared to even the average desktop, let alone a rock mount server, encrypting every packet that comes in is is trivial. But that wasn't the case 20 years ago. And that's the reason, um, even though we've had these encryption protocols for a long time, they were slow getting a start because they are, uh, there. there's a cost. There is a, um, I mean, there's time, It measured often in milliseconds, but that's, that wasn't the case. Originally it would slow things down, but also, you know, your processors are running hotter. You're using more electricity. You're using more, uh, cooling. Uh you need, uh, uh, more, you know, steps involved in the process, and the end user um, sees a little more. That although we've certainly made that a lot easier now, uh, but it used to be that you know, uh, in some certainly badly designed websites now, like a, a lot of corporate sites. If you go to www.mycorporatesite.com, you get nothing. It times out, and you go https colon www.mycorporatesite.com, it gets there, and that's just you know somebody being too lazy to do a redirect. Um, but as you said, there is a cost to that. Somebody had to think of that and somebody had to do it and they didn't. Uh, so that's, um, you know, back in the early days, you might not, you might have to use the www. If you just did like Disney.com, you might not get to Disney. You'd have to go to www. So that's like in 97, 98. And I think, you know that now is not an issue if if you don't need it. The I mean the browser can put it on there for you if you can't find it. I think that's going to happen with encryption over time as well. That will it'll be just like the www. Now people don't even mention www when they're doing web addresses anymore, and we're not going to mention encryption. But as you said, it does come at a cost. Uh, I would say, however, I think that the technology is advancing. For for many other reasons, and tacking on the encryption to that is is a non-issue, and I think that's the right way to do it. If we had tried to push encryption back when it took a lot uh, of you know a certain percentage of the pro- processor's power, there would have been a lot harder time doing it. But now th- sites like uh, services like Let's Encrypt, it is. Very painless uh, to to set that up, and it's only going to get easier because we're already getting better and we're already getting faster for other stuff, for pushing 1080p web video, for scalable uh, databases, for all that sort of stuff. So there's a little bit of FUD here. I'm calling FUD, but it's also you know, as as most FUD is, it's based on facts.
1: Well, and another thing, if you have that old original Blue Linksys G router. You know that router is still able to pump out, and the speed at which it broadcasts is fine, but the horsepower inside of that and the firmware on it is such that you're gonna think there's something wrong with your internet. Why is my internet so slow because that old hardware can't inc- can't do the decryption fast enough. it becomes the bottleneck. The bottleneck is no longer between your endpoint and the um wherever your isp is the bottleneck has actually become your device now if you've if you've got one in the last couple of years that's not an issue but you know if if you got broadband six years ago or seven years ago and you still have that equipment but now it seems like you know netflix takes longer to start youtube videos take longer to start well then this could be it it might not be your um it might not be your provider. It might be your endpoint hardware. So upgrading your gateway device would make you seem like, oh, my gosh, I got a speed bump.
0: Yeah, that's an excellent, uh, excellent point because not only has the technology um, grown, but the number of devices in your house has grown. I, I Everybody in this listening audience, I don't care how um, much of a troglodyte you are, if you're listening to a podcast, you're an advanced technical person and i can i can almost assure you that in the last 5 years the number of electronic de- uh, network devices in your house has is, is probably doubled or more um, and people don't think about that i didn't think about that just just in the last year i, I found well how why is why is everything crappy you know why is uh, my bandwidth why is uh, youtube stuttering why is netflix and then i i, I you know did a, an assessment like well i've got 14 network connected devices running 24 hours a day well yes the the same gear that i used to use isn't going to cut it anymore but we kind of we in the early days i keep going back to that we we got used to thinking of the the little blue box the router as infrastructure like like electrical once you run electrical wiring you're pretty much set you never need to run more electrical wiring Uh, for, for anything. And, and copper is the same way for the most part. You run uh, cat five or cat six, you're going to be good for in the, in the, the span of decades. Uh, with that wireless is not the, that's not the case. We have, we've expanded so much and that little Broadcom chip in the Linksys blue box that's sitting, you know, on your bookcase has been outdated. And I don't, I don't like to use the word obsolete, but that is truly now an obsolete device in that it no longer does the function it was designed for. You were doing more than you can handle. Even if you're just browsing stuff on your iPad, you don't think of yourself as doing much, but you are you you you're browsing on your iPad, your kids on a laptop, you've got a cell phone in your pocket that's also connected by Wi-Fi and you you know you've got a that smart printer that you bought uh, a couple of years ago because they're all smart, they're all Wi-Fi now. Um that's using stuff. You may have some internet of things uh, going on, your Nest thermostat that's out there. All of that stuff is now going through this one device that would already stretch it, but then you layer encryption onto that, it gets even worse. So, excellent point. Th- that's a good um you know rule of thumb there is every two computers buy a new router like every two generations i just made that up but most people buy a new laptop every 3 to 5 years uh, some some more often some less often but if your router is 6 years old even if it works fine quote unquote works fine it's probably time to get another one
1: yeah or at the very least check to see if there's been an updated firmware or you know go with ddwrt uh, or tomato or something like that but you know, like, okay, I'm a cheapskate. Everybody knows that when I go to a computer, okay, what's the least I can spend. But when I go to replace my wireless, what's the most I can afford? Because that is something that I don't want to have to tinker with. I I enjoy tinkering on my computer. I don't want to tinker with my infrastructure. So I, what's the most I can afford here? Or when does that product go on sale? Because that's the one I want, you know, you want to pay because you want to pay for that because that's going to be sitting in the same place. You're not going to be moving it. It's not, it should, once it's up and going, it should go. So this is, that's something you don't want to skimp on. You can kind of skimp on computing power for the most part because the $300 computers does everything 90% of the population needs. But for something like that, when you're doing your infrastructure buys, what's the most you can afford?
0: And for the most part, they're not upgradable. So what you get is what you've got. Yeah, you can upgrade the firmware, you can fix bugs, but you're not going to get a dramatic performance increase out of an old chip just by putting new firmware on. Firmware on. In some cases, it can make it worse. So right. I, you know that th- that's an excellent point that I would not have taken from this article. But yeah, um, your your endpoint devices are swimming uh, in a in a much deeper ocean than they used to be.
1: Yeah, see I I had a reason for bringing this one up.
0: Not just fud. There, there was still there was a little bit of fud there. Um, well, Yeah. How about uh how about that uh uh Microsoft Edge browser? Isn't that just the greatest browser in the world? Man,
1: it is the greatest browser that comes pre-installed on a Windows operating system today. There isn't one better. Um yeah, so um Netstat has released their um next round of rankings and for the first time in like this millennium IE is no longer the number one spot in terms of percentage use it has fallen and Chrome has taken the size so Chrome is up to 41.4% no uh chrome is up to 41.7 and ie is down to 41.4 um and the thing that is kind of significant about this is because uh i guess it's been about a year and a half ago a different site said that hey chrome has far surpassed ie but um the guy who was in charge of ie over at microsoft at the time said no these stats aren't very good um these other ones are better. Well, now here uh, in stat counter was that one. So now not only has it been surpassed on stat counter, it has also been surpassed on net applications. And one thing that I was shocked is how much Firefox has fallen. Firefox has fallen to under 10% of uh, usage. And I was like, you know, I, it's kind of sad, but I do notice now that Firefox seems to be a lot slower than it was before. Although today, Mark, I t- disabled Flash in my Firefox, and I'm just going to see how how that. You know, there's some games I played that were Flash based that won't work anymore. But I, you know, how much will that impact my web as a whole? And I noticed that immediately, my Firefox browser sped up a little bit. So anyway, that was just a little sidebar. I helped kill Flash today. But, yeah, so IE is uh, down. It's no longer the dominant. Chrome is number one. And Firefox has fallen below 10%. And that's so sad because it's thanks to Firefox that we have a good browser today. You know, yes, every browser sucks. But... The reason that even Internet Explorer is so much better than it was is because Firefox started, and then Microsoft goes, "Oh crap, we have to develop the browser again so um you know, come on Firefox, pull through, come back, come back to us, but anyway, so there's our number stats, so I know it does love numbers so much
0: the The article doesn't say if it's talking about desktop or mobile uh so I suspect that this is talking about web in general um and because Android is the the dominant mobile phone and Chrome is the dominant browser on Android phones, I think that has been a big part of this. Well, no, um,
1: actually, it's in there. It is desktop.
0: This is desktop usage. Okay. I, I didn't see that anywhere in the article. Um, Does I'm not calling you a liar. I'm just saying I don't believe you. Um, but okay. uh i can i can confirm your experience i think we all care. firefox is getting a little crufty. the uh the add-on infrastructure that made firefox what it was the ability to to uh to add extensions put it on the map but it also was its achilles heel it it, it you're if you're having a poor experience there's a very good chance there's an extension to blame for it but people don't blame the extension. They blame, blame Firefox. I'm a slider. I run uh, Firefox currently on uh, two of the three computers in front of me. I have both Firefox and Chrome open at the same time. I do different things in, in different browsers. But more and more, I'm falling to, to, to Chrome because it's a better experience. And I think that that uh, Mozilla is in that spot where the only way out is to to completely start over. That's what Microsoft did with Edge, right? They dumped most of the IE code and started over. And I think that the only reason Chrome is, is better right now is because they did that. They started with nothing. They started with WebKit and built up. Um, and, you know, in five, six, eight years, they'll become the crufty one and somebody else will be. I think that's just the nature of of uh, age. It's, that's not the word I want to say. Mature software is that it, it hits its prime just like a human. It hits its prime and then starts going downhill from there.
1: And also, though, Chrome has a rather significant company with lots of money behind it, throwing money at it. And Firefox, they don't. You know, for a while, they were getting a percentage of that company's money. But now they've went with Yahoo. And, of course, I don't know if anyone could figure out a way to screw up a company more than Yahoo has done over the last few years, but that is probably going to be a very bad thing for Mozilla that they kind of kicked Google to the curb and went with Yahoo. Um, and so, you know, the, the way Firefox lives is with the, uh, you know, I'm sure, I'm sure we're all regular contributors to the Mozilla foundation. Uh, You know, I I've never given to them directly, um, and but yet I use their stuff all the time. So I'm part of the reason that they suck is because I am not giving them the funds they need to maintain a good user experience. But I'm lamenting at the fact that they that the user experience is sucking. So I am the modern American computer user. Um, in a nutshell, right there.
0: Yeah, I was. I was just looking. I was going to see if I could find numbers uh, to see the the most recent numbers that the Mozilla Foundation uh, puts out is uh, ends December uh, twenty fourteen, so they're a year old. And I'm looking for uh, the the value. I know they're a they're multi million, not billion dollar company, but that would all be pre uh, dumping Google. So right. you know, Google was 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 giving them somewhere around three to five hundred million dollars a year um, and that's gone being or, or Yahoo has given them some but don't know how much so it's a that may have been part of the problem in in terms of funding but it's not going to explain the decline of their browser it it, it may just dis- explain why they're not able to keep it up but the, the fact is that it's just it's a, an older piece of technology in a modern world
1: yeah I'm I'm yeah I, I don't know but you know and, and that's the thing once you get it's kind of the front runner's disease once you have this inertia of this is what we provide you can't say okay we're going to start over now because everybody has come to deve- to depend on okay this browser interacts these 17 ways behind the scenes you're going to knock out 10 of those and combine another 5 and all of a sudden it doesn't work anymore so my the, the product that i built that uses firefox as an interface will no longer function you know if they totally imagine like untangle they um, they bundle in Firefox web browser and you access the uh, Untangled Control Panel through a Firefox web browser. So imagine if all of it now, granted, they can lock in and not move forward uh, and just keep that old one. But what happens if Firefox updates and all of a sudden you can't access your firewall or Firefox updates and you can't access the back end of your sales server to realize what merchandise you need to ship out today? You know. All of a sudden you're in a pickle because firefox wanted to become relevant again and you know and now that google is the is the front end it's that's gonna people are gonna bundle chrome and all of a sudden chrome can't change anymore because everybody's depending on them uh you know that happened well microsoft just said we won the browser war we're not, you know this is the only web browser you're ever going to get deal with it so people's like okay and then all of a sudden you know, along came a web browser. Um, but yeah, so it's, it's kind of that front runners disease. Alas, Firefox. I, I, I lament you like a long lost lover, I guess.
0: We know the, the Mozilla foundation, uh, took the Netscape code, um, and threw it out all the way, you know, even down to the kernel and rebuilt it to get, get us at the time was called Firebird, which later became Firefox. Um, and they, they did the pain of that, and it took them like three years to make that happen. All the while, IE was just trouncing on them because they had no product. They had this stagnant um, Netscape product that wasn't being updated and no new product to replace it. Uh, so that's that's where Mozilla leaves himself If they throw all of their efforts into the new thing, then they have firefox that will continue to stagnate and new thing whatever it is uh, won't be a thing yet so it's it's not only the front runner's disease but it's also the front runner's dilemma how do you how do you continue to innovate uh, on the thing that everybody loves when doing so takes away from the next thing microsoft has has been into this uh, you know, since really since windows xp uh, their biggest competitor is their older product and and nobody wants to leave it uh, and so they have to continue to support it, but at the same time, they can't ever move forward. And there have been so these hybrid opportunities of, of Vista and, and, and seven, um, and 10, and they've all been that same sort of thing. We're trying to keep the, the old alive while trying to build the new at the same time. And it, it takes two companies to do that.
1: Yeah. And honestly, Mike, you know, Google can really think Microsoft for being, you know, for giving them the number one position because Microsoft said, hey, you've got to upgrade to 11. We're not going to support these other things. If everybody said, well, if I have to upgrade my browser anyway, maybe I'll look and see what other options are out there. And so really, you can kind of look and tick and see that, you know, once Microsoft made that announcement, while the trend had been going, you know, Microsoft falling, Google gaining, it kind of you know, the speed at which those two converge sped up at that point. So, you know, Microsoft kind of, you know, granted to move forward, they had to abandon the old versions of IE. But if not forever, at least in the interim, it cost them market share. And since, you know, IE is kind of bundled with Chrome and all of that, they're losing the revenue and the metrics of uh, searches typed in in Internet
0: Explorer. And I'm still not getting. I, I never. Nobody has ever explained to me in a in a way that my thick skull could understand why market share on a on a free product matters. Uh, I get your search engine. You want people to use your search engine, but I don't see how Microsoft benefits from people using um, Internet Explorer. I don't see how Google benefits from people using Chrome. Uh, obviously mozilla if you're if you're using their product uh to use their affiliate link, you're getting the affiliate but Google doesn't have the affiliates, and Microsoft doesn't either so i don't I don't even understand why it's a three way race and why it matters
1: well, you know partly because they're using your brand, they're being exposed to your brand, so you're taking the opportunity to see your competition's brand that's part of it, but also if you're typing in ie microsoft captures that data and stores it uh for a period of time like i was listening to this ted talk and this guy was um he was researching the combination of like when you combine more than one drug does that affect the side effects and you know and he was wanting to pull this in he was pulling search queries uh you know and he could only go to individual websites like web md and stuff like that and he happened to be talking to the guy from Microsoft and who was in charge of Bing search and the guy and he was like oh well that's Bing that's nice but he went but the Bing guy told him do you realize that also anything that is typed in Internet Explorer, we also capture that and we store it for I think it was 18 months. You know and like it's the search query. So you're losing using the metrics of what is this user searching for, you know, Google doesn't know that you're searching for, you know, ducks and pigeons, you know, so that way, whenever you go on their website and you type favorite bird, they don't know you've been talking about ducks and pigeons over here because they haven't had access to that data. So it's all about big data and data mining.
0: Okay. Today. But this has been a fight for decades when big data wasn't the issue.
1: But they were capturing all of that, and that and big data has been an issue. I mean, they were we were talking about big data when we were working at
0: Montgomery Mark. Yeah. That's
1: how long <laughs> big data has been a thing.
0: And for the everybody else in the world who doesn't know what that means, uh, that time frame there would be 1994-95. right. So. Uh, my first job in the technology field, Montgomery Coney Elevator Company, uh, I worked on their Total Elevator Diagnostic System, which ran on a 386SX chip. Not just a 386, an SX with the math coprocessor.
1: Yeah, back when Pentium 4s were all the rage. <laughs> <laughs> uh,
0: so in the, in the, you know, we, we've... Like I said, we've got this three-way race between uh, uh, Firefox and Chrome and and IE, but that's not the only three-way race in the world. There's also a three-way race between botnets. Hey, buddy, would you like to buy a bot? Yeah, um,
1: this was just an interesting article, and I I wanted to bring it up to people so they could go look at it and read it. But, you know, there is... um, a cutthroat, you know, you think, you know, Apple versus Google versus Microsoft is cutthroat. You have the K&L bot versus the Bilal bot versus the Cron bot. And the malware writers, they hold no punches. And so what they do is they rent out the botnet to uh however much, you know, some now, it's like.
0: Just, just uh, let me, uh, I didn't set this up and you didn't say it either. These are Android malware specifically. Um, is it- from Softpedia hold- three Android malware variants battle for oh, supremacy yes. on the underground market. So okay. just to set the tone.
1: Okay. So yeah. And then, you know, so they have just like you can go and, you know, if you wanted to rent, um, server space, you can do your virtual one core server and you can add features to get the price. Well, the people who does, who do the botnets also have, you know, like, Hey, for $4,000 a month, we will rent you access. They don't give out the code because that way, you know, if, if somebody could bought the code and then they got disgruntled, they could turn it over to the, like the AV researchers or whatever, but they will allow you to access their botnet and, you know, do things like, um, capture credit card information, uh, send SMSs, um, you know, hijack the ads that the user sees. So all, all of this different kind of stuff. And it was just a fascinating read for me that, um, you know, for a few thousand dollars a month, you can um, market. And anyway, I I don't know how to talk about this, but I just wanted to use, I wanted our listeners to be aware of it, that malware is big business. Um, malware fighting is big business, but it's not as big a business as the actual malware itself. Everybody wants the information that's on your device, whether it's your root password, so they can take over your machine and then use that to spew out, you know, spam or, you know, uh, rogue SMSs or install applications that capture your username and passwords, credit card information, banking information or whatever. But, you know, they also have to talk up their version of malware while pointing out the flaws in the other versions of malware that are out there. So it is a cutthroat business, you know, not for the faint of heart. Interesting article, and it's kind of cool. You know, they have like control panels you can access and say, hey, I want this feature, I'm looking for this information, or I want that to happen. And, um, you know, they will rent you access for, you know, all you need is three to 4,000 a month, up to eight to 10,000 a month if you want the Rolls Royce of malware.
0: And what what could you do with a botnet on a cell phone uh, you've got a constrained environment that environment there but uh, th- these machines are not as constrained as they used to be uh, the the modern mobile phone is a quad-core processor with uh, you know a 30 ge- uh, megabit uh, uh, Wi-Fi connection, or not Wi-Fi but uh, LTE connection this is the laptop that people were trying to infect a few years ago Uh, but you can, you know, uh, Seth's talked about information. My life is on my cell phone, not only my appointments and my, and my contacts and all that, but every note I've ever taken, my passwords are there, um, hopefully encrypted in a way that other people can't get to, but I don't know that, um, my, uh, you know, secret love notes to my girlfriend, if I had one, um, Everything that I do would be would be on my phone. That is my primary computing device. Now, my laptop is my secondary computing platform. That change happened uh, over gradually over about the last three years. And I would say if you if you look at your life, um, if it's not hasn't already made the switch, it is you're in the process. Switching from your your primary la- uh, uh, computing device being your computer to and your secondary being the phone to the other way around. If you got a tablet, there's a good chance that you know Microsoft, for example, their Surface tablets, they're selling that. They want that to be your only computing device. Uh, so if you could get on my phone, you know everything about me. But not only that, you know you have the ability to make phone calls and send texts, for example, uh, to a place that charges say a buck a text. There are lots of places to do that. You can set things up where if you send this text that gives us the right to charge you money. If you dial this number, uh you know, we'll charge you uh, 89 cents a minute or whatever, $9 a minute, whatever. You can do all that on these phones without the user being aware. The only reason that you know your phone has made a call is because the UI tells you that your phone has made a call. You can't see it, you can't hear it, you're not aware of of the 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 radio waves uh and so you, if you have one of these advanced botnet or malwares on your phone, um, you could have for that $3,000 a month, you could rake in $300,000 a month in phone fees and, and and text fees. Without the user ever being aware until the bill came, they would never know it had happened. And all of it from the, from the phone company's perspective is completely on the up and up. Your device did it using the right protocols and the right encryption. It's pretty frightening. It's very frightening. And, you know, I mean, especially because, you know,
1: there's a lot of services. You could turn off Wi-Fi on your phone. You know, you go in and if you want to say battery, that's one of the things you can do. But yet a lot of the apps you install, you give permission to scan for Wi-Fi, even if you've turned it off. So imagine that you think, I've I've turned off my hotspot or whatever, but I'm still broadcasting out because even though it's turned off, this app that got my password is able to go around that and still have access, so you're this is a full fledged computer that you walk around with in your pocket it's a full it's in a, it's a small form you know it doesn't it's not as fast as a the latest desktop it doesn't have as much RAM, but it can do pretty much anything a desktop can do. it just might take it a little longer so it, it's a scary thought that these things could be on your machine. And a lot of times the only way to get rid of them is a factory reset. But if it's a malicious app that you got installed and, you know, like you have it backed up, you've backed it up to the, uh, to the cloud using your uh, Google drive account, then when you put it back on there, guess what? You've just reinfected your phone again. You don't know because you thought this was a cool app and you, and you're like, I can't get this thing off my phone. I've reset it 20 times. Well, you know, delete every app you have and start over with a new username and password or throw that phone away and get another one. That's really the only way to be positive.
0: Well, not only that, but you got to get a new account. Because uh, using your scenario, any new phone that you connect to that account is infected. The good news is it's hard to get infected. It's hard to get a a rootkit or a bot on your phone, a, a, a virus, right now. Virus isn't even the right word. None of them are viruses. Viruses spread on their own. But uh, because of the security inherent in both Android and iOS and, and I assume Windows uh, uh, Mobile as well, um, you have to manually go through a couple of steps. You have to turn on uh, um, what's the software sources. I, I can't remember what it is. But you have to go in and say, I, I don't want to always install everything through the App Store. Uh, and then you have to go get the thing. And then you have to give the permissions, everything that you install. There's no way around that. That's in the OS. It's easy to deceive uh, people who aren't paying attention. But if you are paying attention, uh, it's really hard to get one of these. And if you just um, if you always uh, get things through your, your app store, be it uh, the, the Google Play store or the iOS store, that decreases your chances dramatically. It, it, it's not to zero, but it's much lower. And if you just pay attention that That goes a long way, but the fact that these people can can charge these kind of rates and successfully um, you know get people to give them eight thousand dollars per month for access to their network indicates that there are a lot of people in the world that aren't careful, yeah,
1: and that's the biggest thing. be careful because you you know a um a rogue app could look could have the exact same icon that the legitimate app has and you know and it, it could say i want you know update chrome you know or to update chrome.com or google.com or whatever so just because something looks the same it's what we talk about it all the time and you know and a lot of times the computer people are the worst because we think oh i would never do something like that and we're not even paying attention because we're doing something else um paying attention you know there's there's no um security as great as the the wetware that you have installed if you use it
0: and unfortunately that's also the least reliable machine that most people own yeah um so there there is danger here it's not quite you know in the 90s uh, like you know when visiting a website would immediately infect you by doing nothing more than visiting the website um but we're getting there. That wild, wild west is coming to the mobile market, not because the technology is, is different, but because the uh, people are, are careless with their phones. They're, they're comfortable with their phones. They don't consider them a device that they have to watch out for. And because as as desktop OSs, A, become more hardened and B, become less relevant, people are fo- focusing on the mobile more. So we're going to have to go through this um, area of pain uh, to get come through on the other side. Having said all of that, don't put an Android, uh, uh, an antivirus on your mobile phone. Just don't. There, at this point, there is no value to that. Um, I also think there's there's little to no value to that on a desktop anymore. That was not the case 5, 8, 10 years ago. Um, but today, I think there's minimal value in having uh, an antivirus on your desktop and zero value in having one on your phone. That You just have to be careful. Don't be stupid. And, unfortunately, smart people are sometimes the most stupid because they be- they believe themselves to be smart. This is a smart audience. Smart people do stupid things. Yes, we do. Uh, okay, next up, the old double standard, um, mostly in the EU. Uh, Microsoft does something, and the world says, yay! Google, uh, Android, rather, Google, does the same thing, and the world says, boo! <laughs> Weird. Who'd have thought that Microsoft was the good guy and Google's the bad guy? Yes.
1: Um, the EU is leveling some antitrust charges against, um, Google or against basically Android, Google because of how they bundle their stuff with Android. Since Android is the dominant player in the market and Google has made it so that by default, Google products come with Android. Um, apparently for me to go download another app is a barrier to competition. Um, but anyway, so they, you know, this isn't like the verdict and the EU says Google must pay. Basically, they're opening an antitrust case against Google. They, they sent a letter out saying, hey, we're looking at this. And there's like, okay, we're going to kind of, I don't know really if it, where they're at. It's not quite a trial, but they're like moving in that direction. So their contention is that Google is using the dominant monopoly of Android to um, throttle competition by not only bundling Google software, but by making it easy to bundle google software and apparently microsoft saw what google was doing and thought hey what we can do with cortana in windows 10 is we can make it so that it will only work with the edge browser and bing search engine you can't use cortana to access google or well i guess you could yahoo since yahoo is just a different front end for bing but you know no opera no safari no chromium or anything else it will only work with bing and the edge browser and so you know i don't understand microsoft does this every time you know this is the exact same thing of bundling the browser with the um operating system and you know not just shipping with it but integrating it in killing competition they're kind of doing it again and i guess their position is you know Hey, get, even though we own 95% of the desktop market, we are not a monopoly because there's more Android devices than there are Windows. Um, and plus the fact that Google has almost or over two thirds of the desktop search market. So that's how come I guess they think they can get away with it. But to me, this is the exact same thing. They're using their position of monopoly on the desktop to force their product on people and not giving people the option to bundle it with either a different browser or a different website.
0: So let me comment a bit on the, on the first story um, from uh, Linuxinsider.com about the EU Uh, there. If you want to access the play store, you have to have um, Google search, Gmail, Google maps, and I think Google plus, and maybe YouTube. Those are the things you must you you must agree. You can't get the Play Store on your device without those other things. That's what's what what they call being a certified Android device. Now you can do AOSP, Android Open Source Project, and you can eschew all of that as um, as the CyanogenMod people used to. They originally you couldn't do that. You had to go download the uh, the Play Store package to do it, which you could do legally. You just couldn't distribute it. All connected, so that's what the EU is is wheel uh, is labeling the big ban hammer. They're saying that because you force us to put your browser and your search and your um, social network and your mail on these things to to be able to get to your app store, this is uh, collusion and it's anti competitive and Google is evil. I don't come down on the side of that at all. Android is an operating system. You can do it whatever do with it whatever you want. Um, the end user can then go download all that stuff. So you as a developer as, as a hardware manufacturer, could put AOSP on your thing, put cyanogen, put something like that on it, um, and then have a one button click here to go download the Play Store. and that's all perfectly legal and and right and okay with with uh, uh with Google. Problem is, the EU has never liked that. They didn't like that when Microsoft said, uh, look, you can put any browser you want on your computer. Just because we include when, uh, Internet Explorer on it doesn't mean that you don't have a choice. And, and as any good geek knows, Internet Explorer is the browser that you use to download Chrome. Uh, and, and then you're done. So it's, it's that same thing. It's just the EU being the EU. Um, they don't like anybody who limits their choices. Which is how Seth tied this in to Microsoft saying, um, for the seven or eight people out there in the world who are using Cortana, we're taking away your choices. Now, this seems like big bad Microsoft being big bad Microsoft. But, you know, if you want to use the Google Voice search, that searches Google. It's built right into the name. It's Google. Uh, If you want to use Siri, that searches um, whatever back end Apple says. I'm pretty sure it's Google, but it could change at any point and you would never know. Um, and so Cortana is the same way you speak to a Cortana, Cortana, uh, does a search on your behalf. Uh, um, I don't know uh, if this, cause I haven't played, I've not used Cortana more than like twice ever. Um, so I don't, I don't know, but I think maybe you could used to be able to change the back end. Now they're saying no more. You, you'll use Bing. Uh, in my opinion, this is a ho-hum thing. If you, if you put all the work into Cortana and you want to file the search wor- uh, results through Bing, I'm fine with that. Uh, none of this bothers me in the least, but it does bother you know the the fact that that people are less bothered by Microsoft and more bothered by Google is is sort of the 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 tail whacking the dog. Everybody used to worry about everything Microsoft did. Now they don't. Microsoft is now even though they're still a multi billion dollar multinational com- company, they have the luxury of flying under the radio- radar that they haven't had since 1994, which is just crazy. And Google no longer has any leeway at all. Everything they do is immediately assumed to be evil.
1: Yeah, you know, we went, so it's just a change, you know, Apple for a while was the darling of the world. It could do no wrong, but they came out and, you know, their last earnings were not only did they not meet, they way underperform and they, you know, it's amazing. They made like $5 billion and they bombed. I would love to do so poorly that um, I made that much money and was awful. But so it's just one of those things, you know, everything Microsoft did was wrong. And then, you know, it's kind of gone now. Nobody cares. So everything Apple does is wrong. Now everything Google does is wrong. Now everybody hates Facebook because everyone uses them. So it's just, I don't know what company is going to be next, but I just, you know, (sighs) I don't really care because I don't use Cortana even whenever I played around with my Windows 10 tablet that I haven't looked at I mean I haven't opened I've looked at it but I haven't opened it in a couple of months so honestly I don't care because I don't really care much for Cortana um unless you're talking about um Halo the freaking love Cortana but um so it's not a big deal but it's just one of those things so we're If the EU is going to level antitrust complaints against Google for what they're doing with the Play Store, they really have no choice but to do the same thing for Microsoft and what they're doing with Cortana,
0: I would think. What I think is interesting is that Google has never, ever even tried to hide that their voice search is Google. You talk to your phone by saying, okay, Google. Uh, Siri has a name, Siri, they've, you know, Microsoft and uh, not Microsoft, but Apple. And, uh, I forgot the name of the company that actually invented Siri. They've tried, trying to tried to give Siri a personality. It's not, you're not talking to your, to Apple. You're not talking to the search engine. You're not talking to, you're talking to Siri. Siri is a, is an abstraction. It's a, it's a thing. Uh, Microsoft is trying to do that with Cortana, even to the point of taking the beloved, um, uh, personality that you know from the halo series that geeks all over the world have had wet dreams about cortana for decades now and so they tried to take that personality and said now you're talking to cortana that thing that master chief had in his helmet that we all want this is it this is cortana beta 0.5 but it's cortana and they're trying to abstract that you're not talking to microsoft no 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 you're talking to cortana she's your digital buddy and and Apple, surprisingly, as much as they brand things, they went with Siri. Um, and I know why. It's because Apple is too common a word. If you had it respond to Apple, anytime somebody was, you know, at a fruit stand, their phones would be going nuts. Um, Google, on the other hand, is not a common word. OK Google is a much less common phrase. So that's it just worked in Google's favor. But also they're not there's no shell game there. Google is right there with the open kimono saying this is this is it. This is who we are. This is Google search. It's Google voice search. That's the name of it, Google voice search. It doesn't have a name. It doesn't have a, a personality. In fact, I kind of I, I wish it did. I wish that Google search would give me some snarky comments when I say what is the meaning of life. But instead, it obediently goes to the Google search and types in what is the meaning of life. Um, so it, it's strange here that by being, honest and upfront and transparent google is being branded as the evil person whereas the people who are trying to to obfuscate and and be dishonest is the word but disingenuous they're they're not coming under the same they're not heralded but they're not coming under the same scrutiny
1: well you know a part of it is you know, Microsoft at first, hey, you know, this is just a digital assistant and you can use it to do this. And so we gave you what you want, the way you wanted, but now we're rolling out a change that takes away the way you wanted it and makes it the way we wanted it. So it's um, it's like they give you one thing and you use it the way you want to. And then they say, we don't like the way you're using it. We're going to modify it to make sure you can't use it that way. And that's what Microsoft has still doing. It's what they've always done. You know, hey, Windows 8, we're taking away the start button. Okay. Oh, we're going to put the start button back. But all it's going to do is take you to this other screen that you hated. So, um, you know, but it's the start button. So everybody's happy, you know, and um And now, you know, so in 10, they put it back and now they're talking about the next update is going to radically change it again. So it's, you know, whoever in whatever the idiot was who invented new Coke, you know, when he got (laughs) fired from Coke, Microsoft found him or his son or something and brought him back. It's like, okay give them what they want and then change it after they have it and they can't complain or they can complain, but they'll still continue to use it because that's what they do. And so, you know, whereas Google was up front and said, this is the way you're going to use it because this is the way we set it up. People don't like that. Everybody remembers, oh, but Microsoft said we could do whatever we wanted. And now they're changing it because they didn't like what we wanted. And that's the thing I don't like about Microsoft. It might be a kinder, gentler, more open source friendly Microsoft, but they're still micro stupid in a lot of ways
0: you know and my my uh moto x the the one trick that this pony has is that you can use a phrase other than okay google and they've built on their own assistant it's the motorola assistant it just it, it can handle a few things it can send a few texts it can do phone calls everything else it hands off to google um and that one trick it doesn't do very well it, it, they even say in the instructions for, for best results, use a phrase like, okay, Google or okay, Moto X, you know, something like that. It, you, you, we're, we're so far away from the natural language interface. We're so far away from Cortana or from Jarvis, um, that it's, it's really disingenuous of, of, of Microsoft to pretend that we are there and google you know excuse me apple they're at least trying they're trying to to give their their device some personality but it doesn't take long to run out of canned responses we're just we're you know if if this were a space uh, epic we would be dozens of light years away from where we need to be to to get that kind of natural language interface that we want we'll get there i have no doubt that we'll throw enough brains and enough uh, processor cores at it that we'll get there but we're just not there yet. And I like the fact that Google, again, it, it, to me, it just seems honest. This is Google search. It's Google voice search. You're doing the same thing you've always done. You're searching Google, but you're doing it with your voice. And it's just, it's just up front. It's a company run by engineers and not marketers. And they say, it's Google voice search, not Siri, not Cortana. But it's just searching Google with your voice. Right. And that makes them evil. <laughs> exactly. Because they're big and yep. we we inherently distrust those in power
1: we love for companies to get big so that we can attack them and make them small again thus making ourselves feel bigger welcome to america world we're I, sorry well
0: it's not america this whole article was about the eu so we're we're in good uh, in good uh, company there good company we're in company there Okay, that was uh, one, two, three, four, five, six news stories, good and true. I think uh, I think that's good enough for now. Seth, uh, do you have a this week in history? I do,
1: and this one really set the stage. Uh, imagine what the uh, modern uh, computing landscape would be if on April the 30th, 1993. Is it CERN or Kern? CERN I never can. CERN announces the World Wide Web protocols will be free. I don't know that you can get much bigger than that in the last twenty five years.
0: Yeah, could you imagine the kind of stunted growth that would be if everybody who used a World Wide Web protocol, WWW or IP uh, v four, or well, not that's above that, but anybody who used HTML, any of those things, yeah, had to pay FTP a licensing fee or, yeah,
1: yeah, you know to actually, you know, charging five cents for every page you went to. And, you know, the clickbait things were, you know, you had to go through 20 slides to see what you wanted, having to give them, you know, your, you couldn't have the web we have today. If these weren't free, you know, um, some big company could say, Hey, we're going to pay this licensing costs and negotiate a deal. but, you know, you wouldn't be able, I mean, in a lot, you know, in some ways it's bad because this allows spammers to operate with um, no, in you know, it doesn't cost them anything, but in a lot of ways it's good. I don't have to pay extra money to go to elementop.com, um, you know, or I don't have to pay extra money to go to, you know, google.com and check my email. So this is a huge deal. And that happened this week in history in 1993.
0: And it all goes, you know, back to CERN is a, a scientific organization. The It's an acronym, but it's it's French, I think, and I don't know what that all stands for. But, uh, you know, it all comes back to the information wants to be free. Information wants to be anthropomorphized. You know, uh, U.S. writer Stuart Brand came up with that. Tim Berners-Lee uh, uh, was a big believer in it when he wrote the web uh, protocols. And, and it worked. It worked to the best of our society. Um, it it just goes to show you that um, information, um, learning, advancement is best when it's unshackled, uh, and that's why these you know that's why I get so bent out of shape personally about things like software patents because you're taking an idea and you're patenting it and you're you you're you're shackling you're handcuffing the an entire generation uh, who could benefit from that and where. 1993, 1993, um, 23 years ago, the world would look very different if there had been, you know, any kind, even if it wasn't monetary. Uh, people are, for example, not, not willing to use the WebM uh, video protocol because it's got a, a a copyright on it. Nobody's enforcing it, but it's there, so people aren't using it. It's a good one. There'll be a lot of things that are really good that people aren't using because their fear of it. Once you put it out there and say... This is yours. Do you use it? Find, show me what cool things you can do. Then we end up with with people fighting over Siri versus Cortana. This whole conversation that we had today wouldn't have been possible. That literally, the conversation we're having over Skype probably wouldn't have been ha- possible, or would have been hampered by decades, uh, if if some people had tried to squeeze some money out of it
1: how much would it cost us to hang out you know friends for over half our lives getting together and and chatting like this you know we would be paying long distance still and we wouldn't have video and we wouldn't be rambling on for over an
0: hour a week these would be really short podcasts it'd be like hey uh the here's the news out uh, bye everybody um uh, and maybe maybe some of you think that it would be a good thing <laughs> um cool stuff uh and just to think that just 20 Three years ago the the web as we know it was born it's it's you know it's just old enough to drink uh the insurance rates haven't gone down yet it's still <laughs> uh, you know an, an older adolescent yeah maybe maybe uh finishing college maybe uh maybe not uh still still probably going home and have mama uh, washing the the boxers uh the internet Wow, all right Seth, what do you have this week? To lower my productivity so that you look like a better hiring option.
1: Okay. My link, I call this, I need more numbers. But this is, uh, the website is called number. And the rule is to make the number go up. It doesn't require any sound. So you can just go there. And you can click. And you see a number that slowly goes up. And then there's a thing that says make number go up faster. Once you reach a certain number, you have acquired the capital to speed up and just how, how fast and how high can you make the number go up?
0: Oh, I see. So there's an algorithm there. There's a cost. It costs right. you money to go faster. so then you have to do that, that math there.
1: And then it deducts that from the number you have. So you can't just keep clicking it. You have to wait for your number
0: to go up to the next one. Um. um. I don't know why this exists, but it's oddly addictive.
1: Yes. And so if your manager caught you doing this, I would all of a sudden look like a much better (laughs) hire because they would think, what? I don't even understand what you're doing is so pointless. So, you know, this is part of my plan to rule the world. My number go up speed is up to 49.4. My number go up speed is up to
0: 15,262. Oh, Wow. So does it automatically increment without clicking the button, or did you just no. click the button that many times?
1: It, it's just, it will keep going up, and you like you can click the button several times until your number drops below the threshold. And if you, the thing is, I I did this before the show started. I came back; it was still going. So when I had closed out of the site, so I don't know. So it's a why cookie, it doesn't? I I guess so. I don't, you know.
0: So I I'll so be, I see. So it went you went away and had banked millions and then we're just able to click the button a whole bunch and get it to go super fast.
1: Yeah. So like my next cost will be 268,365. My number is currently just over 200,000 and now it's up. So it deducted that. And now my go up speed is over 32,000. And so, yeah, it's just, it's pointless. I can't believe we've talked about it this long. (laughs)
0: Oh, and it goes up a different amount each time. I'm trying to do the math in my head there, um, but every time you click the button, there's some algorithm there that the the speed at which it goes up increases based on how much you pay for the it.
1: The more you did last time, yeah.
0: Oh, this is this is good radio right here. We're talking about making numbers go up faster. Okay, need more numbers. <laughs>
1: There you go. I mean, and this would definitely decrease your productivity, thus making me appear to be a better hire.
0: It would, because it's oddly addictive, and I could spend some time on this, (laughs) just clicking the dang button, uh, which is no different than Flappy Bird, I guess.
1: (laughs) There you go. It's my show closing spectacular.
0: All right. While I'm clicking buttons, uh, I will tell you that this is uh, the part of the show where I tell you how you can contact us. You can go to the... uh, com. Click the contact us button at the top of the page. Ooh, I'm up to 548 now. Um, and, uh, that will bring you a nice formatted, uh, web form that sends a nicely formatted email that gets priority in my inbox. That is the best way to contact us. Like unto it is uh, sending an email to EDL at elementop.com. Although I've had some trouble with that recently. Um, I said EDL, I meant geek grant, although the EDL one is still active geek grant at dot Uh, so, uh, there's, there's been some trouble, so do the web form first. Uh, email uh, does seem to work, but it's delayed. Also, you could call five five nine I am Leave us a voice message, and we'll play it on the show. We love hearing from you. Uh, good, bad, or indifferent. Uh, we like the good more than the bad, and the indifferent. Well, we're pretty indifferent about. But uh, we uh, we appreciate hearing from you. We thank you for hanging out with us. And we'll say that ends this episode of the Geek Grant.